Welcome to Grow Your Dental Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Mohammed Ismail. I'm a cloud accounting expert and a business advisor to dental and medical professionals. My firm, Shift Accounting, has helped our clients reach their financial goals. How do we do this? Well, we offer awesome bookkeeping and business consultancy. Our monthly management reports provide valuable financial insights. These insights can help you improve your profitability and get you to your goal faster. Our goal for the Grow Your Dental podcast is to provide you with valuable resources to help you build, manage, and grow your dental practice. I interview experts in a variety of areas. Whether you are just thinking about starting your own practice or you're already well on your way, there's something for everyone here. We wanted to start the podcast off with a bang, so we released the entire full season so you can get started. We'll be back later this year to continue providing you with valuable insights and expert opinion for starting and managing and growing your dental practice. Enjoy the show. Before you open your clinic's doors, you're going to want to find yourself some patience. So it's time to talk about marketing. We are joined by Steve Anson from Smile Marketing, who's going to walk us through the importance of marketing and how to do it well by covering how to get patients for your new practice, the five factors of digital marketing, does your location change your strategy, how do you differentiate your clinic from the masses, defining your audience, offline marketing, and how to choose the best marketing for you. It's time to get marketing. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm very excited today to welcome our special guest, Stephen Anson. Steven, uh, why don't you give our wonderful listeners a short intro about yourself? Oh, hi, Mohammed. How are you? It's good to catch up again. Um, by all means, happy to, happy to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Stephen Anson. I've been uh, running um, Smile Marketing now since uh, uh, 2005. And we, as a company, we serve dentists worldwide and help them to grow their practice using the internet. Um, anyone who's been around for a while knows that the internet is ever changing. Back in 2005, there were no smartphones, there was no social media, etc. So it's an ever changing landscape. It's an interesting kind of challenge to stay on top of things and make sure we're serving our dental clients, you know, with the latest um, methods to ensure success and return on their marketing dollar investment. Fantastic. So, uh, so uh, you've been doing this for over 12 years, eh? Exactly. So you know, we, we now manage, you know, we have dental clients and we have clients in other healthcare disciplines. So all of our clients are within, within healthcare. I think we manage around 2,500 practices around the world. We have a team of about 75 digital marketers. Um, who look after our clients' interests and you know, just generate that consistent flow of new patients every month. That That is very, very impressive. So, uh, Steve, um, how, how do you get 50 to 80 new patients on the first month of operation? Right. So, brand new practice, Mohammed, just launching? Absolutely. Brand new practice, first month of operation. Uh, the, the first thought that comes to mind is that, you know, and I know, I know when you're starting a new practice, it's just it's so consuming. There are so many different factors and issues to think about. Um, and often we find that marketing can be a bit of an afterthought. 
And it's not unusual for us to get a call from a dentist and says, hey, I'm opening my practice in four weeks time. Can you guys give me a website? <laughs> and of course, our answer is yes. But in the ideal world, that should have been a conversation that started at least three, if not six months ago. Just thinking about the brand, thinking about their demographic, just thinking about all the different moving parts that go into sort of building, you know, a winning digital marketing strategy. So the first thing I would say is that if you want to achieve 50 to 80 new patients in month one, you've got to be super organized with your marketing. You've got to be ready for that marketing to really kick off strongly from the, from, from the, the first day your doors open. Even better, do some pre-marketing. I mean, you can get the word out there with marketing. Hey, new practice opening um, in four weeks' time. So you've already kind of built some excitement, some momentum, some interest in your community around your new practice. So do some pre, do some pre-marketing, and then when the doors open, you know, just turn on, turn on your digital marketing strategy, and just kind of build that momentum, build that excitement around your your new practice. That that's fantastic. So uh, Steve, you mentioned uh, about a digital marketing, uh, you know, strategy. You know, I mean, the, the word digital has been thrown around. Are we talking about just a Facebook page or, you know, what are we talking about here? Yeah, it's a great question, Mohammed. The approach that we take, we call it the five factors of digital marketing success. So let me just sort of summarize what I mean by these five factors. Factor one and the most important factor is what we call a high converting website. You know, if you're going to invest good dollars to send, uh, generate traffic to your website, you want to make sure you convert as many of those website visitors as possible into new patients. So, and there's a science and an art behind you know, creating design and content that is high converting. So that's number one. Number two is then you need a traffic strategy. You know, and in 2018, 2019, Google is going to be your primary traffic source. You know, um, earn traffic and pay traffic from Google will be your primary traffic source. But there'll be other traffic initiatives worth exploring as well. So number one is high converting website. Number two is a traffic strategy. Number three is your, your online reputation. You know, let's face it, every consumer these days is looking at, at reviews for local businesses before they commit. Um, so, you know, maintaining uh, strong four and five star reviews for your practice is essential. And just staying on top of your, your online reputation critically important. The next one is social media. Obviously, the, the main platforms would be Facebook and Instagram. Um, there's some other platforms worth looking at, but these days, Facebook and Instagram um, are the dominant social channels. And the last one would be email marketing. Now, for a new practice, email marketing might be a smaller part of the equation, but as the practice grows and you get a 1,000 or two or 3,000 patients on your database, email marketing can become a real powerhouse. So across these five channels, you can build a digital marketing strategy so that they're, so they're, in, they're um, integrated. Um, and what I mean by integrated, Mohammed, is that, you know, the reality of marketing is that there's never, there's never just, there's rarely, I should say, just one touch point that convinces a new patient to choose a particular practice. What happens in the real world is maybe they drive past the practice and see your signage, Maybe someone comments about your practice at a party or some social event, and then maybe they go online and do some search and they come across your website or your Facebook page and so forth. 
So there's three or four different touch points or maybe more before they actually commit. So across these sort of five factors of digital marketing success, we see it as very much an integrated approach and accept that, you know, they might see the website, they might check out reviews, they might check out your social media page before they commit. They kind of all work together. Yeah, that, that's that's really amazing because when people think about a digital marketing strategy, they might hit one to three of uh, of the points that you made, but it's very rarely I see that people actually hit the entire five five points. So that's uh, that's very very uh, very nice. So the, with this strategy, as you know, uh, would that strategy change based on a location? So, for example, like an office that's opening up in inner city versus an office that's opening up in, in suburbia? Yeah, sure. Um, well, let me make some general comments about that. If it's a city-based practice, the first thought that comes to mind is that it may make sense for your branding and your approach to be more gender-neutral you're serving professionals in the city. Whereas for a suburban brace practice, you might find it more effective if your brand has more of a feminine bias to it. Now, let me explain what I mean by this, Mohammed, is that what you find in 2018 is around 70% of visitors to a dental practice website are going to be female. What you find in most households, particularly in the suburbs, is that it's women that control the healthcare budget within the household. So right off the bat, you know, there's a strong argument that a suburban-based dental practice should have, uh, their branding should have a, a slight feminine bias. Now, this is just a general rule of thumb. There's always exceptions to this. But whereas a city brand should probably be more gender neutral, serving that professional audience of males and females, if that makes sense. Well, that's... Uh... That, that, that's really good, you know, great insights, uh, you know, for people who are, you know, thinking to open an office in suburbia versus inner city. I mean, knowing the demographic probably plays a big role here. Absolutely. I mean, knowing your demographic is essential to the whole, whole marketing conversation. Right, right. No, uh, that's uh, very, it's very imperative. So, so Stevie, you know, the, the, the feeling here is, you know, the market is becoming competitive. Uh, it seems like everybody's doing the same thing, you know, okay, let's be, let's have a website, let's be in Facebook, let's do this. So, uh, you know, how, how does a practice truly differentiate themselves? Yeah. So you know, we just talked about the five factors of digital marketing success. Um, you know, your, your, the way that you work with those five factors needs to be a slave to what you're talking about now, Mohammed, which is, you know, how do you differentiate your practice? How do you stand out in an overcrowded marketplace? So, you know, I, I, we would say to a dental practice owner that one of the most important questions to answer is, you know, what, might, what makes my practice different and better to my local competitors? Why should someone choose my practice over the dental practice down the road? If you can answer that question, well, then you can really supercharge your marketing. The other question that comes to mind is, you know, who is my ideal target patient? Uh, you know, one of the, uh, we've got um, a couple of clients, let me just comment on this quickly. One's called Smart Choice Dental and the other one's called Hampstead Dental. Now they're both in the same suburb, so serving the same sort of demographic, the same audience. Um, Smart Choice Dental, as the, as the name suggests, that's for, 
you know, uh, people who want to be wise with their money, make a smart choice. If you saw the website design and their brand, you could see that it's really a family dental brand. It's got you know, soft and approachable colours, kind of casual style about it. Um, very approachable dental brand, family dental brand. Whereas Hampstead Dental, Hampstead Dental is the complete it's the, it's the polar opposite. It's a very exclusive dental brand. Even the word Hampstead is an old English word. Um, it's an area of London called Hampstead Heath, a very exclusive, expensive area. And if you saw the their brand and their website design, you'd see immediately, oh, this is you know this is expensive, you know, um, uh, the the best dental care that money can buy. That's that's their that's their brand persona, if you will. So what's interesting about those two brands is they're serving the same local community, but they're owned by the same dentist. <laughs> so they're in the same shopping centre and um, they're about 100 metres apart in the same shopping centre serving the same local area. So, you know, for example, just to be very specific, Harvard, you can get Zoom teeth whitening done at Smart Choice Dental at a budget price for maybe $199 or $299, somewhere in that price range. Or you can get teeth whitening done. It's the same procedure, Zoom teeth whitening done at Hampstead Dental, 100 metres away, for around $899. Wow. Same service. Yep. And even, even, the, even the dentist, because it's owned by the same principal dentist, even the associate dentist will move between the two practices. <laughs> from from the back door probably i mean this is this is amazing because because these guys really figured out how to communicate to two different groups and effectively exactly so you know so within this community it's called maidstone there are young families who are who struggle to balance the books you know they're on tight budget so smart choice is perfect for them but there's also some very affluent baby boomers who've got lots of disposable income, are interested in ways to improve their smile, and will invest ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars to improve their smile. Fantastic. This is, uh, um, you know, this is really amazing. I mean, uh, I probably haven't heard something like this where in one plaza, you know, the same dentist is able to attract two completely different uh, clientele. Um, it's, 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 a, it's, from our perspective, this is a this is a really outstanding case study to to show dentists um, the importance of understanding who's your ideal target patient and how do I build my value proposition around reaching that ideal target patient? How do I differentiate my brand and my practice so it really resonates with the person that I'm that I'm targeting? Right, right, and and I think that this exercise and I and I'm assuming it's a, it's a little bit of a you know, a uh, little bit of work to to sit down and, and try to figure out who's the ideal client, who do I really want to service, but it really pays off. It seems like a little bit of effort in the in the beginning to figure out the identity, but it seems like it really pays off in the long term. Absolutely. But I think it starts with, you know, if you've been in dental practice for a while, it starts with like a heart question, which is, hey, doctor, who do you, who do you love? What types of patients do you love to serve? And maybe the dentists just, you know, they reflect and they think about some of their patients and the ones they really enjoy serving. And they say to themselves, well, what is it about those patients that really draws me to them? So you can start with kind of like an emotional, um, from an emotional point of view and say, who do I love to serve? Mm -hmm. 
because that, that makes the whole thing much more natural, much more authentic, as opposed to looking at the demographics of your community and trying to be super strategic about, oh, look at this niche here, they're underserved. Let me build a value proposition around reaching them. Now, that can work and that can be successful. But I think that that, that initial heart approach, I have found that to be a, a, a better starting point to kind of figure out you know, who your ideal target patient is, the people that you love to serve. Right, right. Uh, that's that's really that's a really really, in my opinion, is it it is the the first step to marketing, right? Uh, because it it will it will direct all how marketing effort and branding and all that stuff and maybe processes even in the practice by identifying who's the client. Yeah, absolutely spot on, Mohammed. You know, I think that if you can navigate these important questions and come up with confident answers. It, it, it has a huge influence in your marketing, but also there's internal procedures and so forth. I mean, for example, if you're if you're trying to target young families and make dental dental care as affordable as possible, you're going to have to run an incredibly efficient practice to keep those prices down. Whereas if you're a Hampstead Dental, well, then you've got lots of margin to work with. You can just focus on luxury and a really indulgent experience, and don't worry so much about efficiency, but worry. And focus your concern around what's the what's the luxury experience, what's the kind of spa-like experience that I'm creating for these dental patients. No, absolutely. So, Steve, in terms of marketing, I mean, yeah, you know, what is the best way to measure uh, the return on investments here? I mean, you know, I, I see people do a lot of different things, but what, in your opinion, what is, what would be the best way to measure the return on investment and in marketing? Yeah, it's a good question, Mohammed. Yeah, my, in my experience, a lot of successful small business owners, they, they become so familiar with the ebbs and flows of their practice is they just develop this commercial instinct for what's working and what's not. So, and I would never want to discount that. So what I'm saying is that you know, often, you know, a successful um, dental practice owner, he or she will just have a perception of, of what's working and what's not. And often that, that perception can be quite accurate. But I think if you want to dig deeper than that and get into hard data, that can really complement the perception and add value to your sort of decision-making process. So with digital marketing, you can track just about everything and you can get very hard data on what's working and what's not. So the, the way that we would encourage dentists to, to approach, you know, getting metrics on uh, return on investment um, is this, is to start with the question, what am I prepared to invest to acquire a new patient? And inside of that, unpack that a bit further and say, what am I prepared to invest to acquire a new general patient, maybe a new orthodontic patient, maybe a new cosmetic dental patient and other services that you may offer? So, for example, you know, it, it would be quite common for us to work with a, um, a dentist and, and she might say, you know, Steve, we're prepared to invest somewhere between $1,500 to acquire a new general dental patient, you know, with our digital marketing. Whereas with our Invisalign service, you know, we're um, uh, charging, you know, four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000 or sometimes more for that service, 
were prepared to invest maybe $300 or $400 to acquire that type of patient. You know, we have clients who do all on fours, uh, dental implants, and often a full, um, a full procedure can be a forty or fifty or sixty thousand dollars. So it wouldn't be unusual that they would say, "Steve, you know, we're prepared to invest five hundred or perhaps a thousand dollars to acquire a new patient for this type of advanced procedure." So if you can answer the question, what, what's my threshold? What am I prepared to invest to acquire these different types of new patients? then that's a great starting point. Then you can sort of reverse engineer from there and say, okay, so what would be the marketing initiatives that would kind of deliver patients inside of my financial threshold? And invariably, you know, with a bit of brainstorming, you might come up with at least five, if not 10 different marketing initiatives, even digital marketing initiatives. And they won't all work. Some will work really well straight away. Um, Others will be line ball. You have to kind of tweak them and refine them and work on them to make the numbers actually work. And there might be a couple or two or three initiatives that no matter what you do, you just can't make the numbers work. So it's kind of drop them. So that's the way we see it is, um, you know, just figuring out first and foremost, what am I prepared to invest? There's different type to, to acquire these different types of new patients and then reverse engineer. Well, how am I going to achieve that with digital marketing? So, so the you know the, the 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 first step is figuring out the lifetime value of that patient, and then figuring out how much am I willing to spend to acquire that patient. Fantastic, you've said it much better than me. So that lifetime value, and you know, it, it, you know, for a general dental patient, some practices might say, well, they're over their lifetime, they're worth two or three thousand dollars. Other might others might say they're worth eight or ten or twelve thousand dollars. You know, every practice is different. Right, right. So lifetime value. Yeah. So in, in your opinion, so for, for somebody who's, you know, just starting out, you know, how much should they spend in marketing? Yeah. Um, if they're just starting out, going back to your initial illustration of, you know, a, a practice who wants to generate 50 to 80 new patients in their first month, you know, I, in my experience, Mohammed, I see practices investing anywhere between five and 15% of gross revenue in say the first year. Now, as the practice grows, and they start to build a patient base, they can start to do more internal marketing to improve retention, referrals, patient reactivation, and so forth. Well, then that marketing budget can come down. Um, you know, uh, ideally, you want to get it down probably below 5% once you've got a fully mature practice. Right. So in essence, you know, this marketing strategy is almost you're buying your success from, from day one. Exactly. And, you know, one of the examples that we've spoken about um, is, um, you know, a client of ours and Sharon started the new practice in her first year. She acquired around 2,300 new patients. And Sharon wow, says that around amazing. Half, yeah, it's a very successful dental brand. Um, Sharon has told us that around half of those new patients came through digital. She did a lot of local work and some offline stuff that was very successful as well. That she was so successful in her first year that she opened a second practice the next year and now she's expanded beyond that and she's now part of a network of seven practices all within three years and the, the driver of that was just the momentum and the confidence and the predictability that she had around her marketing particularly her digital marketing wow that that's that's really amazing uh, I mean you, you kind of alluded to offline marketing as well so in this part of the world like you know people still use uh, mail outs as part of their marketing strategy 
you know, what are your thoughts about, you know, it, 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 should marketing budget be split between, you know, mail outs and, you know, uh, digital or like, how, how do you approach this question? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's the same in uh, the, the US, Australia, New Zealand, the UK. I mean, it's still the offline, offline advertising, offline marketing is still, can still deliver value. Um, you know, I think it's obvious to all small business owners that marketing dollars are gravitating towards digital. Um, so, you know, but if, if it's a dental practice that is advertising on local billboards or in local newspapers or doing mail outs and so forth, I think it's really important that you track your return on investment. Um, and there's some interesting ways to do that. I mean, one example that comes to mind, Mohammed, is that let's say you're sending out 10,000 postcards to residents in the local area. Well, then what you could do is you could, um, instead of using your practice telephone number on that postcard, you could use a trackable number, which, which means you can measure very precisely how many people called from that initiative. Or if you have a web address on the postcard, you can have a, um, an internal page. It might be, you know, the name of your practice um, forward slash new patients, for example. So they go to that internal page. So you can track quite precisely how many new patients have come from your postcard initiative. And then once going back to our previous discussion, where you say, well, what am I prepared to invest to acquire a new general dental patient? We can start to join the dots. You know, if you've sent out, um, you know, 5,000 mailers at a dollar a piece, that's cost you $5,000. Um, and you want to get new patients for less than $100 per new patient. Um, Help me out here. You're the financial guy. Is that 50 new patients? <laughs> That's uh, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, you've, got to, you've got to achieve 50 new patients or more for that initiative to earn its keep. Um, and there are ways. To, so I suppose what I'm saying is that although it's an offline initiative, you can, actually, you can actually leverage some digital tactics to track the performance of these initiatives. Yeah, the other thing I'll say, this, is just a, this, is, this might be a helpful tip for your listeners. If you are doing postcards, and let's say, you know, um, a prospective new patient sees your postcard and before they call, they want to go and visit your website. Pretty normal behavior these days. So they, they look at the URL on the postcard, they visit your website and have a look around. Now what you can do is you can retarget them. So now they've come to your website, maybe they're not ready to convert immediately, but you can retarget them for the next 30 or 60 days and just keep your brand before them across social media and other other, you know, um, popular um, uh, websites that they might visit on the internet or, or local sort of category websites and so forth. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's very interest. It's very important to measure, you know, the performance of mail out. So you can, you can understand if that's something, you know, you want to pursue, but you also can connect the, the offline strategy with the online strategy. Exactly. I mean, for example, maybe maybe um, you're promoting dental implants and you're sending mail outs to a particular demographic within your community that may be more mature and are more likely to be interested in dental implants. They can come to your website and maybe you have a guide. They can maybe you have a, a guide on your website, which is um, everything you need to know about dental implants and prices and so forth. Get this free 10 page ebook. So they surrender their email address, they get the free download, and then you start a relationship with them. And it might be six or 12 months before they actually mature and convert. I mean, people don't spend 10, 20, $30,000 in their mouth without doing some research first. 
So if you can kind of get them into your marketing funnel six or 12 months before they're ready to make a decision, that can be a really wise way to kind of think about and go about, you know, to building some predictability into your marketing. Very nice. No, uh, I, I love this strategy. This is, this is really amazing, and I and I this is I, I'm really enjoying this conversation because it it's really highlighting how working with the right people can make a huge impact on on the operation, right? So, in, in your opinion, you know, when a dentist is out there trying to evaluate who to work with, you know, how can they choose a marketing company? What are the criteria they should be looking for? What comes to mind for me, Muhammad, is that, you know, if as a small business owner, you've got to surround yourself with the right team. You know, you need um, a, a strong financial advisor, you need a legal advisor, you need a, um, you know, a, a marketing advisor. So you've got to surround yourself with, you know, a really reliable um, and trustworthy team. So the first thing I would say when it comes to choosing someone to assist with your digital marketing is find someone you can trust. That's the most important thing. You know, because doing marketing well, it's a it's the long play. You know, you can't you can't. You know, what's the expression that comes to mind is that if you've got a sales problem today, like you're not generating enough new patients to keep your schedule full, it's because you had a marketing problem 12 months ago. Now there are some marketing initiatives that will produce instant results, but but most marketing takes time to mature. So you've got to find someone you can trust that you can play the long game with, you know, over the next three, five, ten years. You get to know them. They get to know you. They get to know your brand. They get to know your goals, your dreams, your passions, your visions. And they're your partner. They're coming right alongside you to nudge you and towards achieving your vision for practice. What about, uh, you know, somebody who also, you know, need to understand the, the industry, you need to understand you know, what are the important things for a dentist, right? Absolutely. I think the most, you know, the most important thing for a digital marketer who is serving dentists is they must understand how new patients think and behave online. I mean, you can be an expert digital marketer. Maybe you've got one client, a trucking company, then a florist, and then over here, you've got another type of business in a different industry. But you really need to get experience with how new patients think and behave online before they choose their dentist. So I think it's really important that you, you find someone who understands the idiosyncrasies, the nuances, the language of dentistry. Otherwise, you'll spend the first three months educating them about you know, what's Invisalign, you know, what are dental implants, um, what's sedation dentistry. And, you know, and that'll be really annoying for the dentist to have to kind of invest so much energy to kind of educate their new provider. Right, right. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. I, I you know, I, I see that all the time, to be honest with you. So, Steve, uh, last question here. Um, you know, what, what are the trends that you see, marketing trends that you see in 2019? Yeah, you know, we can have a very full conversation about marketing trends, Mohammed. but the thing that comes to mind is that um, the importance of, uh, of dental practice owners on paying attention to Google. You know, Google is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Google controls so much of the traffic on the internet. Now, I get it. You know, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of around social media and particularly Facebook and Instagram for dentists. But, you know, what we find from the hard data is that Google is delivering um, the the, the the, the highest volume of new patients and the most predictability in new patient marketing. 
So I would encourage dentists to stay on top of what Google is up to. Google is finding new ways to innovate um, and, and also charge you. Like if they're gonna send you traffic, well, then they'll charge you for it. I mean, for example, what comes to mind for me, there's a, a new service that Google is launching with the Google, with Google Local, like this, the Google Maps, is um, the ability to kind of book right there within your map listing. And Google is already offering this service, not to the dental profession yet, but it will be soon, we believe. Um, and you can just book right from um, the, the, the map listing or the Google local listing for a practice uh, without visiting the website, without even leaving that environment. And if Google, if Google um, uh, is able to broker that transaction for a dental practice, they will charge the practice for that. So there's, there's new services they're introducing beyond, you know, the old traditional services like Google AdWords and AdSense and so forth. There's new ways they're discovering to send you new patients and then charge for the privilege. Wow. So Google is the, uh, is the place to watch, eh? <laughs> Google Google's the top of the food chain. Um, you know, things might change and they probably will change, but in 2018, 2019, it's still a very Google-centric world. Very nice, very nice. Steve, I really enjoyed this conversation. There was a lot of great information. I really appreciate your time here. Thank you very much. You know, and Mohammed, I just appreciate your data-based approach to, you know, um, helping dental practices work. And, you know, as you and I have discussed many times in the past that marketing and just generating a real consistent flow of new patients is so essential to the success of a practice. Um, so it's been great to spend time with you. I hope my comments have been of some help to your audience. I really appreciate it. Thank you. for joining us today on Grow Your Dental Practice podcast. I'd like to thank our corporate partner, Zero, a beautiful accounting software. We use Zero for all our clients and they love it. If you'd like to know more information on myself or Shift Accounting, you can head directly to our website, shiftacct.com. You can visit the blog, sign up for our newsletter, or reach out to me directly at mohammed at shift acct.com Thank you.